to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use the tools that are out there to make themselves and their businesses the most success that it can be. And we're going to have a great program today because we're talking more about personal growth than this is how you use social media and this is how you use marketing. And, you know, all of those topics are great, but if you're not the best person that you can be, then it's not going to make any difference what tools you use, how many posts you do on social media, how much networking, all of those various things. So that's why I'm so excited today to be talking with Michael Ross. So welcome, Michael. Thank you, Deb. Well, you know, we are going to have a great time. And you know, before I jump in, I want to tell folks just a little bit about you. So Michael Ross has one mission, to help people live fulfilled and impactful lives. Michael's journey started on a jail cell floor where he was hopeless, angry, and afraid. From there, he met a mentor who believed in him and started him on a journey of self-discovery and personal growth. On his journey, he earned two master's degrees, a coaching certification, and numerous speaking awards. He has written three books, has been on over 100 podcasts, and spoken to nearly 1,000 audiences. Michael wants to help leaders lead better and to help people see the masterpiece that they are. Michael's love for others starts with his love for his wife, Brittany. He calls her his sunshine and gives her credit for the man he's become. They have four children, Zayden, Quinn, Brindley, and Brogan, who add to their love and fulfillment. Michael's authentic and personal style makes him a dynamic speaker who influences audiences to become all they were meant to be. So, wow, this is going to be so cool. So again, Michael, welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Well, you know, this really is going to be a great program because a lot of what we're talking about or what we're going to be talking about is self-esteem and being the best that you can be and all those internal nagging conversations that go on and, and things like that. But let's go back and start because I'm sure that, you know, we just immediately piqued people's interest with, you know, the, the statement that you really started on this journey when you were in jail. So kind of talk to us about how you started this. Yeah. Um. And really, you know, uh, starting in jail started when, when I was about um, 11 years old. Right. Um, I had some things happen in my life that, um, that really crushed my self-image. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back when I was six years old, even before then, you know, I was, um, I was molested by uh, a boy in my neighborhood. Um, when I was nine years old, I had a traumatic experience happen uh, in my family. And then mm-hmm. when I was 11 years old, I was starting to become, you know, a young man. And I had a girl who I liked who just you know, flat out looked at me. She said, you're fat and ugly. I just wanted you to know that. And I was a little overweight at the time. And I had, you know, long hair. I was into the grunge music, Nirvana, right. you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that at that point, it kind of made a switch in my life where mm-hmm. I'd allowed myself to be vulnerable for the last time, so to speak. Right. And so, you know, at that point, I'd vulnerable with that girl. She crushed me. And I just from that point on, I took kind of the uh, Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa approach that if the mm-hmm. world turns it back, it's back on you. You turn your back on the world. 
And mm-hmm. so I, I sort of lived my life like that. It started to become very selfish where I wanted, uh, instead of looking to help people or, or give back, I started to take. And I, and I thought, I started to buy into all these philosophies that, you know, uh, you've got you've to just fend for yourself and everyone's mm-hmm. out to get you. And so when you live your life with that philosophy, um, it, it doesn't work out when you're living in a society. And right. I became uncivilized. And so I ended up, um, long story short, when I was 18 years old, I was convicted of a felony and I ended up on a jail cell floor saying, how did I get here? Right. You know, and you start asking questions when you're in jail. And, um, and, and I was sitting on that cell floor, just pondering my life and asking a ton of questions, but I still wasn't ready to give up my poor philosophies. So mm-hmm. I end up, you know, standing before a judge and the judge says to me, you know, Michael, this is your first major offense. So I'm going to let you off the hook. He could have put mm-hmm. me in jail for at minimum uh, six months. Wow. And um, so I, it was, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a great mercy. And then mm-hmm. after that, he says, but I would suggest you get into a service organization or you go into the military. He said, mm-hmm. because I've seen the look that's on your face a hundred times before. And the look on my face was one of, you know, defiance and Mm-hmm. You know, again, you're out to get me to you're a part of the whole Babylon is what I called it back right. then. And mm-hmm. uh, he said, if you don't, you're going to end up back here for a long time. Well, that really piqued my interest, too, because I'd never thought of service as a way to get yourself out of a funk. I always thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to get something else. I got to make more money or I got to buy something or have another experience to make myself happy. So that piqued my interest. Well, I ended up in the military. Um, long story short, they almost kicked me out. But there was a gentleman in in boot camp who I'd met. His name was Zayden. And mm-hmm. Zayden, for some strange reason, he he picked me out and he just started to pour life into me. And he would say mm-hmm. things to me like, Michael, I see such gifting in you. You know, I think you could be a really, really dynamic person. Uh, he called me a masterpiece. He said, you know, I could see you really being the type of guy that changes the world. And at that time, I had no belief in myself. I hated people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, he cared about me anyways. And I couldn't understand it. Um, but, you know, he just kept after me. In fact, I wanted to fight him one time because he just kept saying all this nice stuff about me. And I was like, right. you know, what are you after here, pal? Mm-hmm. What are you selling? But there was mm-hmm. nothing for him to sell. We are in the same position. Um, so he just kept pouring into me. Well, Long story short is I, I believed him. I finally started to believe him. And then I started to see what he was talking about. And as soon as I started to really change to where I saw some of the gifting in myself and believed in myself, that's mm-hmm. when the entire journey changed. And I decided that I was going to, instead of taking, I was going to start giving. And mm-hmm. I was going to make it my mission to help others live fulfilled and impactful lives. And it led me to a quote that I love by Mr. Zig Ziglar, who said, you help enough other people get what they want out of life, you too will get everything you want out of life. So that was about 17 years ago. And I've just dedicated my life to serving others and helping others find what a fulfilled and impactful life is for them, which Mm -hmm. led me into, you know, um, doing what I do today, which is really help organizations with their culture. So setting up Mm -hmm. a culture that is fit for personal growth and achievement and, and success and fulfillment. And, um, so yeah, that's that's where it all started, and um, definitely uh, I am not the same person. I can't even think like I used to think, uh, mm-hmm. but um, 
such a, such is the way when people have a great transformation. You know, you always look back to those times and say, I, I will never forget where I was. I'll never forget right. that it took one person believing in me to turn it all around. So, so I really want to do the same for others. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you could have continued that downward spiral. I mean, you know, you, you were pretty much at the bottom and you know, you, you talk about this in your book, A Clear View, Unleashing the Power of a Positive Self-Image. And you had parents who who very much were supportive, yeah. um, you know, but in so many cases with kids, they don't or they have, you know, teachers, peers, all those various things. You know, the, unfortunately, bullying is kind of the uh-huh. standard today as opposed to, you know, what it used to be. And, and you know, it takes on a totally different uh, aspect now with social media, with all these various things. And, you know, it, it, it most of the people, I, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm generalizing here, but most people can't bring themselves out of that. You know, they, they get into that. I am a horrible person. I am an awful person. Yeah. And it just, they believe it, you know, and, and because they've been told it so many times or even just once or twice. I mean, you know, that, that young girl was the first person who really crushed your spirit. Yeah. And that was that was one of those key ages. You know, you just about decided girls didn't have cooties, as you put it. And, you know, and, and all these various things. And, you know, it it goes to show the power of just one interaction. You know, yes. if, if she had said, even if she just said hi, you know, back to you, it, it would have made things so very different. And, of course, you know, then you might not have become who you are today. So, you know, there's all those various things. But... It is, you know, I think it's so powerful for people to remember that one interaction can change somebody. And, and you know, maybe it just changes their day, yeah. but maybe it does change their life. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's funny, Deb, the average person only gets one encouraging word per week. One. Wow. So, you know, people like you and I, we put ourselves in position to get more encouraging words. And you know, I'm sure you're like me where, you know, I wake up every day trying to listen to something inspiring, enlightening. You know, I read mm-hmm. every morning. I, I'm constantly pouring into my own coffer, but many people don't mm-hmm. know those disciplines. They don't know right. how to bring themselves up. So I always mm-hmm. look at it as, you know, words of love or words of kindness or words of appreciation to others is the greatest gift I can give because mm-hmm. I can be the type of person that sets who knows how wet the wood is or how dry the wood is in a person's life mm-hmm. metaphorically if i can set that ablaze you know how what a what a great gift that could be um but but like you said you know the biggest thing is um we in our society a thing that i i don't like and this isn't just the american society this is the global society is we judge people based on what they do and we put right. a we put a value on people based on mm-hmm. what they do and that mm-hmm. doesn't give a person value. And that's something no. I work with, you know, not just not just people and uh, students I've worked with in schools, but, you know, organizational leaders, you know, these CEOs mm-hmm. that I've had the privilege of working with and coaching and sitting down with year in and year out. Um, a lot of these gentlemen and ladies, they do not see their value unless they are being successful. So they get on this emotional pendulum where if the organization is doing well, they feel great about themselves. If it's not, uh, they feel awful about themselves and they're mm-hmm. up and down. But really what I try to do is I say, your success or failure has nothing to do with your value. Right. All, that, all that does, all your actions really tell you at the end of the day is the value you put on yourself. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, a person who is addicted to a drug, for instance, we know they don't value themselves. Just like right. a person who's addicted to work or addicted mm -hmm. to achievement doesn't value mm -hmm. themselves. So really the the way to get to a great a great life and great fulfillment and achievement all at the same time is to really learn to value yourself. And I don't mean mm -hmm. just I don't mean just, you know, motivational talk here. Right. Writing is truly learning how to enjoy yourself mm -hmm. and enjoy your essence because right. what we do is you know, that is physical, whereas your essence is metaphysical and your mm -hmm. metaphysical life is what pours in to your physical life. So that's that's constantly when I get one on one with people, I'm always getting down to what's always true about them, no matter mm -hmm. what, what's always true about you and helping them sink into their essence and really accept the beauty and the masterpiece that they are. And when they do, what do you know, the organizations I work with, whenever they put value on people and they put value on themselves, wouldn't you know that the numbers always seem to fall in line. The, the, right. the bottom line inflates. Their mm -hmm. retention increases. Their customer loyalty increases because they're valuing themselves and ultimately mm -hmm. valuing human life, which is the greatest value that this world has. Right. You know, and, and you talk about how we look at others. And you know, a lot of times it's we you know and, and you you talk about this in your book they they either have a title or we give them a title. You mm. know, and and you know, how many times have we thought, ugh, she's just a secretary. Oh, he works at fast food. You know, uh, he's a janitor. You know, I saw a program the other day, you know, I'm, I was watching, it was one of those law and order, you know, and all those. And, and the person who ended up being the killer was a housekeeper in a hotel. And she said, people just look straight through me because they don't even think of me as a person. Yep. And, you know, now granted in the, in the show's concept, it really didn't, you know, justify that she killed somebody, but it, right. that was so damaging to her self-esteem that, you know, and, and the, it, it is one of those things because, you know, there are, I mean, some of the best people in the world are janitors, are people at fast food, all these various things, but we do get so caught up in those titles yeah. that we forget that there's a person there, that they're not that title. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we all have them, you know, that's, that's the thing too, is, is all of us, we've been labeled something and there's mm -hmm. some that stick because there's some that, you know, w once we agree with a label, once we agree and right. we, we, we create a compact or, mm -hmm. you know, with that, we create a contract with that agreement that, mm -hmm. okay, this is who I am. So now I, I got to live it out because I mm -hmm. made an agreement and you almost right. feel this sense of in our subconscious, we feel this sense of personal responsibility to live up mm -hmm. to the label. Mm -hmm. And and if people would really uh, go back to the point where they made that agreement, like I did when I said I was fat, ugly, and stupid, and I lived up to it, mm -hmm. um, if they would go back to that point where that happened, where it's painful, mm -hmm. but to go back and to take those labels off and right. to, get, to, to put them back where they belong and then to <clears throat> not create new labels, what I'm not trying to do is I'm not trying to take one label that says, you know, um, I thought of myself as a piece of garbage and change it to I, I think of myself as a masterpiece. It's going to the fact that you've always been a masterpiece, right? that you sink into who you really are and that your mm -hmm. essence is beautiful and wonderful and, and gifted. And, and once people get that, those labels will just fall off. 
Now they'll mm-hmm. show up from time to time because our mind is is it plays tricks on us. All right. You know mm-hmm. we have scrap in there that we need to take care of as our you know our, our brains are like um, metaphoric factories. You know mm-hmm. there'll be things that trigger us from time to time that we need disciplines for. You know big mm-hmm. I'm big into personal development disciplines. Um, mm-hmm. But once we do that, you know really Debbie, you think about these people, these Steve Jobs of the world. Bill mm-hmm. Gates, these people that have done these magnanimous, we'd look at as magnanimous things, the Thomas Edison's right. we go throughout history. Mm-hmm. We go, oh my gosh, it, it's unbelievable. But really all they did was they sunk into their essence and they believed who they really were. And mm-hmm. then they just lived it out. Steve Jobs, right. if you ever read his book, um, he mm-hmm. talks about how I'm just, I know who I was. I'm a designer. I, mm-hmm. And I just did that. And it created mm-hmm. the, the richest company in the world now, you know. Right. right. So it's just a, it's amazing when you look at the power of human potential and the power, if you maximize that human potential, what ends up happening to the world around them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's it's very interesting because, you know, some of those people that we consider to be the most successful in a lot of ways are the people who have that those inner voices that are just horrible and okay. awful. Um, you know, and, and, and they're not happy, but they, you know, maybe they were, they, they, you know, were the son of, you know, business and son. And so they went into the, the, you know, the family business and they didn't want to do it, but it was what was expected. Or, you know, they got the college degree because it was what was expected. And we do get so caught up in that. And now we're not saying that you aren't paying attention to other people, you know, because you can't be, uh, you know, so selfish that you're not caring about what's going on, but it is about realizing that it's funny. I saw someone, somebody posted this on Facebook. She was having a bad time. And she said, at some point I will figure out that I'm enough. Mm. And I, and and she's, she's actually a true friend. I mean, not just a Facebook friend as I put that in quotes and I was crushed for her. And so my response is you are more than enough. Mm. And, you know, and, and I know that there were some people who looked at it and went, well, she's just fishing for compliments. Mm-hmm. No, she was needing help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it really did. It just about broke my heart to see that from her because she's normally one of these people who is very positive. And, you know, it's, it's, it is, you know, I think that is kind of the, the thing we sometimes lose track of is we are enough. Yes. We're good enough. We're pretty enough. We're smart enough mm-hmm. to be the fabulous masterpiece that we are. And, you know, there are definitely ways that you should always be improving. And you talk about that in your books is, you know, keep reading, keep educating yourself, all of those things, because, you know, the masterpiece just doesn't stand. You have to continually work on the masterpiece. But, you know, it's it is something that whether it's your personal life or your business life, again, it comes back to, you know, one or two people can really make a difference with what they say to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that that. idea of keeping on developing and also um one day i'm going to figure out that i'm enough Mm -hmm. is what what i find to be just really sad and we don't you know i i'm not blaming the education system in any way shape or form but Mm -hmm. these aren't the things they teach you in school right no no we're we're learning algebra (laughs) and history and you know yeah (laughs) definitely have use and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm all for well-rounded education Mm -hmm. um but the things that we should be learning that people would call psychobabble or Right. I always mm-hmm. think it's a kumbaya. Don't you think it's mm-hmm. funny? I, I don't know. This is a side note, but I always think it's funny how 
people will, it's almost like they make fun of the motivational speaker industry or the, you know, motivation industry, personal Mm -hmm. development industry. But everybody I've ever met, truly, who's ever Mm -hmm. had any great success in life are avid personal Mm -hmm. development uh, consumers, right? as well as, you know, speakers, trainers. Um, I have never really met anyone who doesn't read a ton of books, who, who doesn't have personal development disciplines in their life, mm-hmm. who has had any great kind of success. And, and But there's this whole confluence of people who kind of quip at the industry and kind of mm-hmm. people who get into it are a little bit odd or weird. And then you look at the statistics and you, and you show that, you know, money's just one way to manage it all. But you say, uh, 5% of the population controls 95% of the wealth and 95% mm-hmm. controls 5%. And you say, yeah, I guess the, I guess the 5% are a little bit different and a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is available to everyone. And, you know, right. with your friend who said that, you know, in, in my opinion and in, in, in my experience, you know, of coaching and training as much as I have over the years is she all she needs is is the skills. Because it's mm-hmm. not, it's not even, you know, we believe our belief can, can uh, waver sometimes because of mm-hmm. emotion, but what, what solidifies belief is action. And if she would have some of the skills that she needs to overcome those voices in her head, you know, mm-hmm. we all have them, but right. the disciplines and skills, what they do is they keep us proactive mm-hmm. and, and they keep us from you know, getting our front lines, so to speak, knocked backwards, because those are the days we have that are rough when our, not, our front mm-hmm. lines get knocked backwards. And then we go back to the metaphoric questions, you know, the why, why questions. And, right. um, and, and that's where I think a person who develops the personal development disciplines and disciplines aren't easy, they're mm-hmm. hard, you know, and there's an old proverb that says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Mm-hmm. Later on, right. it produces a harvest of great living and peace for all who are trained by it. So those mm-hmm. disciplines will will keep us on top of a fulfilled and impactful life. And that's what, you know, that's what people, unfortunately, that I've spoken to over the years, you know, there's some that come to the door and they say, I'll do whatever it takes until mm-hmm. you bring the skills and disciplines necessary. <laughs> and then it's, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Mm-hmm. I'm always encouraging that this is the other piece to it is that is not an obligation. And I right. think that's what people get to is they think, well, I just, I, I want, I want to develop and then have it be done. You know, I want to get, mm-hmm. I want to yeah. cross the finish line. And there is really no such thing on a journey as a finish line, a journey by definition, it is continuous. It keeps going and life's a journey. Right. Mm-hmm. So for us to continue to develop and get better and better and better should be our aim. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm not about, you know, like I talk about in the book, it's just continually reminding yourself of who you are and accepting mm-hmm. who you are and, and not looking at it as, you know, a task to be completed and don't do it because it's an obligation for you to right. finish a finish, go to a finish line. What it is, is you should do all these disciplines because you are worth it, because mm-hmm. you have an inner value. That's what the disciplines do. They show you the way to life. And so right. that's what I'm always encouraging people. Don't just... Don't just believe, take action and Mm -hmm. take action by journaling, take action by reading a book, take Mm -hmm. action by getting into a group accountability group. That's going to remind you of who you are. Um, Mm -hmm. And those things will carry your belief to a whole new level. 
especially as mm-hmm. you, you begin to act out the masterpiece you are. Right. You know, and we do have setbacks. I mean, you know, it, and it happens every day. You know, whatever it is, we think, ugh, you know, she looked at me funny because I wore something that I shouldn't have. Or, you know, it, those, those self-conversations that we have, you know, it's, it's funny because the one voice is saying stupid, don't pay attention to that self-conversation. And, you know, and then you just called yourself stupid. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like one of those vicious circles yeah. because we do have those negative conversations with ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, you, you talk a lot in your book about you know, we've got them. We're just going to have them, you know, and, and, but how do you turn those negative thoughts and conversations in your own brain around? Yeah, that, what a great question. And and I'll tell you, Deb, I think this is probably the most essential teaching um, that I can give on this subject is self-dialogue. And, mm-hmm. and um, I don't, again, like I said, I, I don't shut them off. Like what, what right. I want to do is I want to engage the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, I'm going to get into a, a little uh, deeper therapeutic psychology right now is, you know, we, uh, the, a lot of those voices are a part of who we are. Right. And it is kind of a fight and flight thing. I mean, yeah. that, that's just all built in there. Well, I, and, I, and I'll get into a little more detail is, you know, we all have subpersonality. So I like to say this, I, I just spoke about this at a, a leadership talk I did last week. And I said, we all are schizophrenic in our own way. You know, right. it's just not damaging, you know, to other mm-hmm. people. And that's when we put people in a padded room when they start, you know, bringing their subpersonalities out uh, to the mm-hmm. world. But we all have subpersonalities and we create those subpersonalities as a way to protect ourselves. So mm-hmm. when I was 11 years old, I created a subpersonality um, and I, I've actually named all my subpersonalities. So I have three major ones and uh-huh. I named him Mr. Fantasy because at that point in time, I created this fantasy that um, um, I, I was damaged by that girl. So I created this fantasy that I would be a handsome guy that girls loved. And I would be the right. guy in the movies that, you know, girls wanted to, you know, talk to and date and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was younger, I created one named Macho because of, oh. you know, being molested. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I protected myself. And I was this tough guy and Macho. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, there's another one that I had a damaging thing happen in my family when I was nine years old. And, um, and, and that's Mr. Sneaky and Mr. Sneaky was, he's untrust. He doesn't trust people. And uh-huh. so what happens is all three of them have a voice in my life. They still do to this mm-hmm. day. Right. What I do is I engage them. And the major way I engage them is dialogue through journaling. So okay. I've learned to recognize their voices. So all mm-hmm. of us have points in our life and maybe even more than me, multiple points where mm-hmm. we create this subpersonality, which right, is right. in a lot of ways fantasy of the fantasy mm-hmm. of the life we want to live. Instead of just accepting who we are, we create this mm-hmm. personality. And then what happens, unfortunately, is that also goes into substance. Mm-hmm. So there will be people who they take a drink of alcohol or, or you know, have multiple drinks of alcohol, and they begin to like who they are when they're, they're drinking. And they're feeling good. And so what they have the tendency to do is once they fall in love with that quote unquote subpersonality, whenever they're drinking, then they want to go back there so they can create alcoholism. And then all the other addictions, you know, are comforts as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, a way to like themselves better. Mm -hmm. And so what I always encourage 
is people to dialogue with themselves, to Mm -hmm. get out a journal whenever they're feeling a certain way or they hear a voice that's getting loud. You know, let's say Mm -hmm. the voice says, you're such an idiot. And you hear that over and over again. You're an idiot. Well, what you'll find most of the time when they begin dialoguing and engaging that voice and you ask questions like this, like, what's going on? Why are you Mm -hmm. feeling this way? And you know what will end up happening is the voice will answer back because it is you. And, right. and, and to be honest about that, where I've heard a lot of people say, well, you need to tell that voice to shut up. Don't tell it to shut up. That's you trying to get right. something out. So acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. It's there. And then you got to realize this, too, is that voice was created for me. I was six years old, nine years old and 11 years old. You, mm-hmm. you know something? Those voices are a six year old version of myself, a nine year old right. version. So they're just little kids who are scared trying to mm-hmm. protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I begin to speak to the voice in a calming and, and generally kind way. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to allow the voice to run my life, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to allow a six-year-old kid a bat, and um, I'm not going to say, go nuts and you know break everything in my house. I'm going to make mm-hmm. sure that that six-year-old version of myself understands that there's parameters here. Right, right. But I am going to engage them and be very kind. And I'll even dialogue uh, to where my subpersonality sometimes is saying, hey, let's go out and, you know, this person's treating you this way. Let's go back and be rude to them. And I'll say, oh, hold on, hold on. Now, why are you feeling that way? And I'll mm-hmm. engage it to where a- at the end of it, though, I make a suggestion. I say, why don't we be kind? I know they were rude to you. But why don't mm-hmm. we be kind back? Because right, you know right. why? Because that's showing that we have value and that we're mm-hmm. a person of dignity and that no matter what they say, they can't, we're not going to give them control over our emotions. And, and sometimes my subpersonality will answer back and say, do you really think that that's the best way to go? And I'll say, right. I, it'll argue yeah. with you. And I'll say, I just want you to trust me. Mm-hmm. And, and then we act and then it solidifies what I had said because it always values always work out properly. And so when you live with character and you live with dignity and honor and respect for those in your life, it always yields a return back in your own life. And so mm-hmm. once I do that, um, then my subpersonality gets more confidence in me. And over the years, you know, I've really learned how to hone this in and do this well. And it, it isn't an overnight thing. And sometimes your subpersonality gets the better of you, but then you can have a, a further debriefing conversation. So mm-hmm. this is a little bit deeper. And I do talk about this some in the book, but I really mm-hmm. encourage people journal, journal, journal. It is mm-hmm. a way to get to know yourself and take that, that, that journey to the interior. Mm-hmm. Well, and you talk in your book about writing down those negative thoughts, yes. you know, that, that you had and because then that you are, you're acknowledging those and then you can deal with it, you know? So maybe the, the thought, you know, the, the negative thought was you're fat. Yes. Okay. You know, sure. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. Are we going to exercise? Are we, are we going to eat more? You know, all these various things. And then you deal with it, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, it might be that it's like, you know what, we've had a bad day, so we're going to go have an ice cream sundae, yeah. but tomorrow we're going to exercise, yeah. you know, and, and it comes back to, you know, we're, we're, we're masterpieces, but we're not perfect. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of sometimes, and it doesn't matter if you're six years old or, you know, 60, we sometimes think we have to be perfect. We have to be the perfect employee, the perfect spouse, the perfect friend. And we're not, yeah. you know, because hello, we're human. Yeah, yeah, I I so agree with that, and that really is 
Um, it's something I said in my podcast over and over and over. Actually, it is my introduction. I say it is the application of our education that makes the biggest difference in our world. It mm -hmm. is us taking action on on these ideas um, because we're worth it and because we're valuable. Now, I will say this. Somebody who overeats or somebody who feels fat, the problem is not them eating. It right. is it, The problem is they view themselves that way. And so mm -hmm. we are uh, we are a product of self-fulfilling prophecy in our life mm -hmm. that if that same person would just and not not try to convince themselves. I've heard people say this, too. It's just crazy to me is uh, convince yourself. I'm a skinny person. I'm a skinny person. I don't let's not live in a lie. No, let's, because you look in the mirror and you go, <laughs> well, that's, okay. that's not congruent. But you mm -hmm. say, um, you know what? I'm worth every effort. I, and truly right. believe that I'm worth every effort it takes to have mm -hmm. the type of life that I want. And, mm -hmm. and, and when you get out and, and, and then finding a reason, why do I even want to exercise? Well, it makes me feel good. You know, it makes mm -hmm. me feel more confident. It, make, it helps my blood flow. It helps my sleep. It helps every aspect of my life. So why wouldn't I, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then what you'll find is when a person gets down to that depth, whether, whatever kind of addiction, because, you know, food and eating is one of the greatest addictions in our culture, um, mm -hmm. is, you know, once they get there, then the pounds shed and a person mm -hmm. doesn't miss, they don't miss the food they used to eat. I've never right. heard a person who's lost a bunch of weight ever go, man, I really miss eating all that. Uh, mm -hmm. now their cravings may say to them, yeah, I miss that, right. but no, they, mm -hmm. they don't, they much rather have what they have. So, mm -hmm. um, but I agree with you, Deb, the, the key is that you take action, you find why, but you got to take action because the action solidifies. There's, again, an old proverb that says knowledge must turn to understanding and then understanding turns to wisdom and understanding can only happen. True understanding. If you take knowledge and you put it into practice, that's what understanding mm -hmm. is. It's the experience right. that you get from it. Mm hmm. Well, and part of it too is is understanding kind of the underlying things. You know, we've we've talked about that. So, you know, maybe you are in an abusive relationship mm -hmm. and and that person has continually said you're horrible, you're awful, mm -hmm. you're stupid, you can't survive on your own. Well, when you realize that you can survive on your own. And I mean, and I know that's very difficult for for people oh, yeah. and so we're certainly not making light of that. But then it very well may be that you have to get out of that situation. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that drives me nuts is when, you know, when you say we're talking about a woman who's been abused and somebody will just kind of flipply say, why don't they just leave him? Yeah. You don't <laughs> think they could if they would? I mean, yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, you know, or I hate my job. You know, okay, well, go back further and figure things out. And it may be that you have to leave that job, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and, and so it's, and, and, but that comes back to those kind of exterior voices, you know, we're thinking, well, people say that I have to have that job because, or I have to stay married to that person because he's so successful or he's the captain yeah. of the football team or, or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it really is difficult for people to to truly accept that they are a masterpiece Absolutely. and that, you know, they they are that all by themselves. Yes. Yes. And I tell you, just from just from my personal experience, it took all the courage I could muster right. to believe it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was you were pretty oh, far I down. I was down and, mm -hmm. you know, just hateful, untrustworthy, you know, 
untrustworthy myself, but I did not trust people at all. So mm -hmm. the fact because you knew they were going to hurt. Yes, you. and I was at rock bottom. So it was almost mm -hmm. I was at the place. It was almost, you know, because when I almost got kicked out of the Navy from getting into mm -hmm. a fight in boot camp. And so I was suicidal. I was actually planning, if they would have kicked me out, I would have committed suicide. Right. I had Because that was kind of your last resort. It was it. And I had, a, I had the courage to commit suicide. And mm -hmm. so um, when Zayden started to talk to me that way, it was almost like, my life's over anyways, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I might as well give this a shot, you know? Right. And right. so when you're talking about people in an abusive relationship, because... Um, I've likened um, poor leadership and poor organization to um, abusive relationship. It is right. essentially an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, to get out of that environment, it isn't that simple. You know, a person will really have to, first of all, take the risk to believe that they're worth more than being treated like that. And if you've mm -hmm. got, you know, I've, I've uh, worked in some organizations with poor leadership um, where the leader finally recognizes you know, oh my gosh, I've been the problem the whole time. And they begin to repent and change and all that stuff. And the person who they've abused the most, it takes them a year or two. Right. To get well, over. they don't trust them. Right. Yeah. And so it's, oh yeah, you say all these things, but I've mm -hmm. seen, you've done this for years and years and years. This is a trick. Yeah. And so take that with a per person who's being abused. Take that mm -hmm. same internal conversation that says, oh, you'll never, you'll never leave here. You'll never mm -hmm. change. You've been taking it this long. There's no way you'll ever leave because that person inside of them doesn't trust themselves, mm -hmm. you know? And so that can be a very difficult conversation. And this, this is why my organization is set up. This is why people like you are out there, Deb, because we want to help people get over that hump. We want to mm -hmm. see people with fulfilled, impactful life. I can't do it without myself. You know, I meet with a coach, <clears throat> excuse me, a therapist and a group every single mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. I can't do what I'm doing without my support group. I can't do it right. without my help and my friends and my family. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, anybody who's, who's at a place like we are, they know you have to have support. So my organization's just set up to help people that way and mm -hmm. organizations as a whole. Set up a culture where mm -hmm. they, can, they can give people the greatest opportunity for growth in mm -hmm. their lives. Well, let's, let's talk more about that because – yeah, you know, we've, we've talked about the fact that, you know, we should give support to other people, but how do we do it as a leader? You know, when, when you have, you know, profit you have to make, when you have shareholders, when you have, you know, quotas, all these various things. And, and so you've got a lot of pressure as that leader and, you know, maybe it's a nonprofit, whatever it is. How do you work with people to show them how to really be the best leader that they can be? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Great leadership is about environment. That's where it all mm -hmm. starts. There was some studies years ago that came out, um, years and years ago, as I should say, that came out that said basically your genetic code was the sum of your life. That if you had mm -hmm. a certain uh, gene, you came out of a certain gene pool, you'd be successful and you'd be a great leader. And leaders were natural and, you know, they were born, not made. And um, and then since then, that's been debunked. And right. what what success experts and researchers have shown is that environment is mm -hmm. what is the greatest um, area for us to grow and improve. And so mm -hmm. a leader's first job is to set up an environment. And that's, that's the main thing I work on with organizations is helping them set up their culture mm -hmm. that is conducive to great leadership. And then great leadership mm -hmm. is number two. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then what a leader has to do is they have to live by values. The values are more important to us than our own life, that we will sacrifice you know, everything for our own values. You know, mm-hmm. Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. You know, mm-hmm. He was saying, my life will be on the line for my values. Um, you got Nelson Mandela who fought for justice, fought for peace. Right. He was willing to give up his life for those things. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr., so forth and so on. That mm-hmm. a leader really has to lead in values and they have to run after values and pass those on because mm-hmm. values are more important to us than our own life. So a, a leader to really take time is to set the environment up to values first. And then what a leader has to do is be intentional about mm-hmm. the philosophies that they will pass on and to whom is I always say this, you know, if you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. So mm-hmm. a leader who thinks they can lead 60 people is fooling themselves. A leader who thinks they right. can lead 30 people effectively is fooling. 10 people is about the max that a person can can have direct reports from. And each of those 10 people needs to have exclusive one-on-one mentoring and coaching time with their leader. And that leader really mm. needs to get to know those people. And then mm-hmm. subsequently, those 10 need to then have 10 that they right. are so it's a tree. There is definitely a hierarchy and a tree. I don't believe in mm-hmm. flat organization. Now, what I do believe is that each organization should be flat in, in the fact that they each individual should be running after the values and the mission and the vision of the organization. Right. But each person needs to have a subset of people that they are training and mentoring and helping to grow. And then ultimately that leader, the greatest value they can give is to walk away. Once they've mm-hmm. trained and mentored, to completely empower and to walk away and to allow mm-hmm. those people to lead the way that they've taught them to lead and they need mm-hmm. to give them the environment and the room to do so. So it is really simple. As a leader has to keep growing. And and here's what I've found, Deb. You you'll you'll uh you know, you'll have a thumbs up on this because I know you've seen this too. Is what happens in many organizations is, you know, they say, Okay, we, we need this position filled and so they have either an internal promotion to have someone fill the position or they look for somebody on the outside. Mm -hmm. There's people looking to go from organization to organization. And there's this idea in their mind, if I make, you know, $150,000 a year with, you know, some profit share, I'll be happy. As long as I have Mm -hmm. that, again, the finish line, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happens is in these organizations, when they do these internal promotions and somebody will work their butt off to get that job. And they Mm -hmm. think, as soon as I have this job, my life will be great. They get the position And then here's what happens. Instead of being a great leader and passing on their philosophies and really trying to work themselves out of a job, quote unquote, they Mm -hmm. then do everything in their power to protect their position. Right. They worked hard for it. They're going to save it. That's Mm -hmm. right. And and they they quickly realize that 150,000 a year is not enough. They -hmm. realize that, you know, taxes come out of that and, you know, there's a lot of responsibility to it. And so uh, a person who is not focused on growing, a leader is not focused on growing is going to put a lid and they are going to beat their people down. And so mm-hmm. my biggest thing is, you know, leaders need to have the constant personal development focus themselves and then pass on everything they know. Don't hold anything back. Give your people everything they can handle and help them be the best they can be to work yourself out of a job. And what I've found is, is when leaders do that, they always have a place. A leader who gives away value always has a place because leaders will say to me sometimes, you know, at a symposium I spoke at a couple months ago, they, they I had some questions. Well, if I give away everything I know, 
you know, they could just fire They won't me. need me. And the and the opposite is true. You mm-hmm. can you can never have enough places for people who are willing to give away their value because what happens is you duplicate and multiply your efforts when you give away what you know by three, mm-hmm. by five, by ten. You can never right. have enough value for a person who's always willing to grow and pass mm-hmm. learn. So right. that's my well. And tradition. if say you're you're the type of leader who encourages people to, you know, always thrive and always prosper in your company, well then they're going to be doing so well that they'll create new products and services. And, and you know, and, and it is it's kind of this growth that that is continual. Yes. So you know, and, and it's it's funny when we were talking, I was thinking about a, a CEO that I worked for many years ago, and he he definitely believed you know all of this because he was continually thinking of ways that he could help people around him, you know, and and he he really did feel that you know if if the if that that success was all tied together, you know, it was it wasn't just the person in the mail room, you know, all those various things. And one of the things that he had us do was, um, I was in the communications department, and and he wanted name badges. Well, and we actually had them. Every person in the company had a you know a, a name tag for you know variety of reasons. He had us redesign it so that the first name was really big font, nice. so that you could literally see it from ten feet away. Now you know nobody really knew what that was. They just thought, oh look, there's my name. You know, because we all like saying our name. Yeah. He could see it from 10 feet away and call them by name. Now, we had hundreds of employees, so there was no way that he could remember everybody's name. But when you saw this man in the hall and he called you by your first name, Mm. wow. I mean, you know, it just, and, and people, you know, and, and was it, you know, kind of a tricky little thing? Well, yeah, but it, it worked because he knew how important it was. He wasn't trying to be tricky or anything. He knew how important it was for him to recognize people just by their first oh, name. That's brilliant. You know, and, and, and we scoffed. I mean, I really did think we're going to spend how much money are we doing all these name tags? And, you know, and, and, but it really was true. You know, the fact that, and, and people would tell me all the time, oh, he called me by my first name. <laughs> you know? and, and they just, and, and that, you know, it made their day. And I don't care what level they were at in the company. Yeah. The fact that, he, and he made it a point yeah. that he always called, you know, it wasn't just high. If, you know, if he could, and, and so then of course we had to have the rule where your name tag was displayed so that, you know, you could glance at it and, you know, it was all these various things, but, um, you know, and, and, and it really was something that was so powerful and, yeah. you know, it, it, and it is it, one of those little things, you know, when, when somebody calls you by name, it, it just means so much because they've taken the time to really acknowledge your existence. Yes, Absolutely. That, that is so true. I mean, there's nothing what Dale Carnegie said, nothing sweeter to a person than the sound of their own name. And, right. you know, and that's that's another thing. You know, I I I, I tend to lean towards the servant leadership model. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of different uh, leadership theories that work, you know, and uh, but I tend to go towards the servant leadership model that my job is mm-hmm. to serve people and help them get to a level they never dreamed of themselves. And little things right. like that is. You know, I, I tell leaders this too all the time when I'm speaking. I say, listen, here's, I give a bunch of statistics in my research. I mm-hmm. say, you know, you can either work with this or fight it. You know, so mm-hmm. many people are fighting this, but imagine if you work with it, you know, that mm-hmm. the sound of a person's name is sweet to them. So you call them by their first name. Imagine what that'll do for your team, you know, and you got to see right. that. But it's little things. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, we, we make big deals out of big deals, absolutely, but that's not, that's not the things that really matter. At the end of the day, it's right. the little interactions 
mm-hmm. really tie teams together. It's the little, mm-hmm. you know, I remember being on a national championship basketball team when I was in high school. And, um, I remember the little interactions in the locker room, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about that team. Yeah. I remember getting the trophy, but that wasn't, that didn't mean as much to me as the fun times I had on the bus mm-hmm. with the guys in the, on the right. of games. And, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, those little things really do make huge differences in people. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it comes back to what we were talking about at the, the start of the program, Sometimes smiling at someone, and you talk about this in your book, you smile at them. You say thank you. You know, you acknowledge that, hello, they are a person. Yeah. And and it makes so much difference. I remember um, I've had Peter Shankman on my show a couple of oh, times, yeah. and, and I actually heard him speak one time, and he was talking about his philosophy on working with someone. Mm. He watches how they interact with what many people would consider the the, the servant role. Yeah. So the secretary, the the waiter, you know, all those various things. And if the if someone is polite to those people, so they say please, they say thank you, all of those things, he said, you know, he'll he'll work with them. If they are rude to those people, it doesn't matter what their qualifications are, he won't work with them. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's it's really made me stop and think that you know, how much difference does it make for me to say, "Hey, thank you." Yeah. But you know, it takes what? 5 seconds. Yep. But, you know, uh, here's here's a great story. You know, we I, I went through the drive through the other day and I know don't judge. You know, I, I go to the drive through on occasion for food. Oh. And when when I got up to pay the woman ahead, the the uh, the you know, the the person um, that was taking the money was in tears. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what 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 has happened? The person ahead of me mm-hmm. had given her twenty dollars. Oh. And I mean, she was, and then it was funny because I could hear all this dialogue with, you know, everybody else in there. Well, I deserve five of that. And, you know, and all this, and, and it just made their day yeah. now, you know, not, a, and it was funny. Cause I looked at her and said, sweetie, I ain't that generous. And she just laughed and she thought that was very funny. But then I made a point of saying, thank you. And please, and all of those other things. And so it, it doesn't have to be monetary. It really can. And you talk about this in, in your, your book in places where, Sometimes just saying, you know, thank you, or do you need to talk? Or, you know, some of those various things, we need to be acknowledged as people. And in this day and age, it, 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 that kind of goes away. You know, we're so tied into, we have to make money. We have to do this. We have to do that. We only are going to communicate on social media. You know, and I say that as, you know, a, a big fan of Facebook, but we need that human and personal interaction. Yes, absolutely. And that, oh, that's so good. And you know, there's, there is something that I tell people if they're ever in a depressed state at all. And a lot of, um, a lot of psychologists are doing this now and therapists is they'll, they'll actually start to encourage their patients to go out and serve. So go serve in the community, go say Mm -hmm. something nice. I know for me, whenever I'm feeling down, first thing I do is I look at my phone and I think of a couple people I can encourage. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an old proverb that says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's so true. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, psychologically proven, scientifically proven. Um, When you're in the state of appreciation, uh, one, you feel great. And it's always great to feel great. But number Mm -hmm. two, you can truly impact a person's life and put them in the state of appreciation, which then is a gift and service to the world world as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. So. Um, that's, that's very good. And I love that. I love hearing stories like that. I actually watched something with my wife uh, a couple of weeks ago where this guy saw that, you know, a wealthy, successful guy went into a restaurant. He saw the waiter was just having a hard day. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy was still working hard, you know, and he's, you know, the guy really was touched by this waiter's um, service, even though he could tell he was having a hard day. And he, mm-hmm. gave, him, he gave him $100 to start. Oh. as a, mm-hmm. And the guy started to cry. I mean, he was Aww. so upset. Mm-hmm. Well, then he gave him another 100 mm-hmm. Then he gave him another 100 Oh, wow. Yeah, he gave him $300. And the guy was so overwhelmed. You know, he was tearing up. And he mm-hmm. then he started to explain why he was having a rough day. And, you know, and the guy just was so blessed, you know, by the fact that this gentleman. And he said, well, listen, I'm sowing in greatness into your life. That's why I'm giving you this money is because I believe mm-hmm. you're great. And he had it all on video. And it was just fantastic, you know. Right. But, we do get this one life and really um, we only get to keep what we give away. And if mm-hmm. people will really grasp that and understand that they are the gift, that mm-hmm. they are the gift, that their talents, gifts, and abilities are different from everybody else's in the world. And our job is to give it away. But we do have these things that are constantly trying to beat us down and keep right. us from giving mm-hmm. our gifts. And, and listen, I don't know why the world was set up this way. It's just is what it is. But, you know, it's for us, it's about living our own fulfilled and impactful life so we can help somebody else along the way because there's always going to be somebody who needs us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is one sad story. I don't like to, you know, end with this, but a couple of weeks ago, I played college basketball mm-hmm. and one of my teammates um, had committed suicide. Mm. And, um, you know, I think of that. I, now, I know it wasn't my fault. Right. But I went to his funeral, and I'm thinking to myself. I what could you have done? Yeah, I could have stayed in mm-hmm. touch. I could have mm-hmm. something. And, and mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a way. I don't feel shame and guilt. But I, I think to myself, you know, that's another example of why we need to keep going. You know, mm-hmm. Why we need to keep fighting. Because there's, right. there's people who were saving their lives. A guy that you know, could be thinking about committing suicide that we smile at him, we engage in conversation and he Mm -hmm. says, I think I'm worth something. This guy thinks I'm worth something. And that's what Mm -hmm. Zayden did for me. So uh, far be it for me to neglect that in others. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, it, it is something that I think we all need to really think about is not only getting that person, you know, surrounding ourselves with people who are going to lift ourselves up, um, because, you know, if you're surrounding yourself with negative people, well, you're going to have a negative outlook. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, you know, but but if you're that positive person and we're not, and we're not talking Pollyanna <laughs> or, you know, you know, but we also shouldn't be, you know, the little chicken, the, the, the sky is falling all the time. But really just think, you know, how can I, if I smile at five people today? You know, and it's not the, you know, the fake smile. It really is a true smile or say thank you or, um, you know, I appreciate what you do. Th- little things like that make so much difference in somebody's life. And and it really can just completely turn them around. Maybe it turns them around for an hour. Maybe it turns them around for the rest of their life. But it is something that, you know, take those 10 seconds and say that, you know, we're not too busy to be polite, folks. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's so true. And I, I, I just hope people realize that, um, like I had to realize that the mm-hmm. true way to live the most fulfilled and impactful life is by giving of your gifts and giving to others. And your smile right. is a gift and, mm-hmm. and your kindness is a gift and you don't have mm-hmm. to give it, but not only will it, it help you feel great and make the best out of you, but it will give someone else a chance as well. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Michael, we've got just a couple minutes left, and this has been fascinating. I mean, we we could talk about this forever because it, it is – I love that it's so uplifting. And, yeah. and, you know, folks, it takes no money to be polite to people, you know, all these various things. But, you know, it, tell us how they find you and connect with you online. Yeah, so um... – you know, we just launched a membership site uh, called the Mainstream Leadership Network membership mm-hmm. site. And um, you can get on that by going to www.mainstreamln, so mm-hmm. um, And uh-huh. I would love. You are ex military. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> so um, I would love for anyone to connect with us. You can get on that membership site. Um, I have a product that just came out called Creating Culture. So if you're interested in, you know, creating a culture in your uh, organization, uh, we did have that product launch that's that's mm-hmm. still available now. It's in its first seven days, so there is a, a major discount to that in the first seven oh. days. You can get on our uh, again www.mainstreamln.com and mm-hmm. for more information. And then to connect with me and my team, uh, you can call us at three three zero. Nine three two zero four nine nine, and I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a special offer today, that if anybody will um, email us at info at mainstreamln.com, and you put in the subject line that you listen to the podcast, we will send you out a copy of a Clear View Unleashing Power oh, of cool. Positive Self Image for free. So. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take any work to do that. Just uh, send an email, and, and um, I, I would want to plant seeds in your life of greatness. And so that'll be my little gift to anybody uh, on Deb's behalf. Nice. Well, thank you very much. And what is your other books? So I have another book. Um, it's called um, Building You, which is mm-hmm. about growing your business, uh, specifically um, in marketing, you know, and promotion. And it's about, you know, building yourself to build values to the premises. Internal values have tremendous market value. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I have a book called Overcoming the Character Deficit, which is basically um, covers the landscape of where we're at in society as far as character deficits and then what we need to do to overcome that so that we can have, again, a fulfilled and impactful life. Perfect. Well, Michael, this really has been a delight, and 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 I love it because it's a different program from what I normally do. You know, we weren't talking about the methodology that you should use for social media or for building your website or networking or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But again, we were talking about how if you yourself aren't the best that you can be, then nothing else is, is going to match up. That's right. That's Great. Well, again, I've been talking with Michael Ross of Mainstream Leadership Network. You can find his information online and his books and all those various things. I am Deb Creer, and until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.